Hello and welcome to episode 6 of His and Hers Movie Podcast, a.k.a. Double HMP. I am one half of your co-host, JP, podcasting out of southwestern Pennsylvania, and joining me tonight, as always, is my esteemed co-host, Carly, a.k.a. 317, a.k.a. Carly Sun. That was cringe. <laughs> Dude. <what? laughs> Carly Sun. 317. Yeah, Carly Sun. Um. Uh, Isn't that what I used to call you? No, no, it was much worse. It was Carl Sinclair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And you are also podcasting out of where? Southwestern Pennsylvania. Yeah, it is the eve of Valentine's Day, which means this is our official Valentine's Day episode. But I will say this, that there will be an additional Valentine's Day episode next week where we recap our Valentine's Day because obviously we can't recap a day that didn't happen yet because today is the 13th, Valentine's Day is the 14th, which we will be watching two movies and enjoying some steak or stack as we call it. Uh, and we will recap that uh, next week. So uh, in, you know, stay tuned for that. We have a full show planned tonight. We have a list of movies that we watched uh we have a special bonus review with uh two special guests uh coming up of my bloody valentine later in the show and then uh what else do we have and lastly well yeah i guess we both have reviews of um some jeremy gardner flicks and then we're going to do a joint review on the newest jeremy gardner flick yeah, it is called After Midnight, and it is the third effort from Mr. Jeremy Gardner, uh, and it also perfectly fits the Valentine's Day theme, which we didn't necessarily plan. Mm-hmm. So our first ever Valentine's Day episode is now afoot. So what have you been doing this week? Um, what have I done? Not a whole lot of anything, uh, as as per usual. Um, just been working and kind of hanging out. Um, worked at the hotel again this past week, which was kind of weird. It's been a while since I've cleaned some hotel rooms. Um, accidentally took one of the keys home, which is a big sin there, so I had to bring that back the next day. But, um, yeah, pretty much just been working, trying to do better with saving money, which I have been. I've been like, I haven't used my credit card at all this whole, um, you know, pay period, I guess you can say, because tomorrow is my payday. So, uh, trying to make more money, save money so that we have money to go to these conventions during what you would call convention season. So, um, yeah, I haven't really done anything exciting. Just kind of watching movies, working, same old, same old stuff. How about you? Uh, yeah, I personally had a semi okay week um there was a lot of um movie watching i actually did a decent amount of movie watching this past week which is pretty good because i was like you know a little slacking a little bit lately 
Um, I am considering building some new shelves, so uh, I need to get cleaning and, and moving things around to kind of make space for that. Hoping to do that soon because I got stuff stacked to the dang ceiling almost here. So that's something that I'm looking into. Uh, I am, we had like one decently nice day earlier this week and then we had like a lot of rain. Uh, mm -hmm. so that was, that and was, snow, and snow, rain, snow, snow, all the, all the craziness. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very excited to be back to talk another film to do another episode, but overall just kind of a, a basic week, nothing eventful. So are you going to build the shelves in your room somehow, or like, are you going to migrate out the into... hallway? <laughs> that's, you know, that's when you know it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I could technically do an, maybe another shelf, uh, in the room, but it eliminates my poster space, which is not what yeah. I want. So yeah, uh, probably going to do it in the hallway. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, this episode really excited to talk about some films um i've watched a bunch of movies for uh other shows and different things so uh, i guess we can get into that indeed we can um i will go first this week if you don't mind i do not go right ahead okay so uh i watched a decent amount of stuff so uh the first thing uh i watched in the past week was The Host, which is a Bong June Bong what the heck is his name? <laughs> he just June. won an Oscar for Parasite uh, for the best picture. Uh, yeah, I don't know that guy's name. <laughs> it is ready? Yeah. It is I'm ready. Are you ready? It is yeah. Bong Joon Ho. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bong Hoon Jo, which I did, I totally forgot to mention. I watched the Oscars for the first time in like years. Um, the like most of the Oscars, which normally I watch like a piece here and there, but it was pretty cool. There was a lot. I, the, I actually was invested this year because I had seen a lot of the films that were nominated for, you know, all the different categories, uh, mm -hmm. including the Joker and, um, the, Hollywood. What was the Quentin Tarantino one called? Once Upon a Time in Once Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917. There was a lot of great films this year that were non-horror um, that I was interested in and that I saw. So that was pretty cool. Uh, big ups to Bong Joon-ho for winning the Oscar, the first ever foreign language best picture winner, which is pretty cool. Uh, mm. So, yeah, I watched The Host, which was um, one of his films from uh, the... 2000s it was 2006 i believe uh it is basically a giant monster movie um almost similar to like that of a sci-fi channel original but done with much more heart and grace so that movie is actually pretty good it was a featured review on our bong joon ho director spotlight over on 22 shots so check that out if you haven't uh but yeah that was a, that was a really good movie um, then I got back on the 1985 kick with the classic, uh, 1985 film, <laughs> Dario Argento's Phenomena, which is definitely one of my favorite Argento films. Uh, there's, it's just very likable. You got Donald Pleasance, you have, um, Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly. Connelly. Yeah. I was trying to think of her name. <laughs> Jennifer Connelly. 
Um, you have. Uh, what's, I don't think I. What's the what's Argento? The other or uh, what's her name? I don't. I honestly don't know anyone else's oh name in that God. movie. I think. don't know anything right now. <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'm looking it up. Uh, Dario Nicolotti. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus, I'm an idiot. Um, And also, you know, it's it's a little bit different of an Argento film. Uh, Falls a young girl who has an ability to communicate with insects. And she's in a Swiss boarding school uh, when she is trying to solve a string of murders. It's like a tiny bit giallo not that much um even though it has like some of the mystery giallo-esque elements uh and the third act gets really weird and just out there and it has this supernatural flair to it which um dario hadn't been doing a ton um in you know since suspiria uh he's more stuck to like the giallos and the, the murder films uh, but yeah, this one has a touch of um, Supernatural, which I really like. I, I was actually tempted to watch the version Creepers, which I hear is a little bit different. That's the U.S. version that came out. Uh, the music's really good. I really like the setting. It's very beautiful uh, visually. Um, the monkey's cool. Just just a very good movie. Definitely w- one of my favorite Argento films. Uh, so yeah, I watched Phenomena. Uh, of course, My Bloody Valentine, which we will get to in a little bit. Another film that I watched for the 22 Shots uh, Patreon was Dante's Inferno, 1911. This is a silent film featuring Dante and his journey through the circles of hell. Uh, so if you saw it, you remember um, the house that Jack built? Yeah. Uh, kind of a little similar to that in terms of like just the the, the you know the references to what do they call that? The Seven Floors of Hell? No, that, it's no. the something comedy. Mm, you, I don't know. You know nothing. You're not a help. You're just mad that you know nothing and that I can't help you with knowing things. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's called like the something comedy. It's like a, a, another name for it. Um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, very kind of honestly a little surprised at the amount they got away with back in 1911 um (laughs) yeah pretty crazy um decent movie i don't really know how to rate like films from that era uh because i don't i mean it's not something i would rewatch really but you know Mm -hmm. for the time it was pretty good uh then i watched wes craven's the hills have eyes part two which i recently got the arrow which i paid for which is crazy because it's really expensive uh, and The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 is what I often considered one of Wes Craven's worst films. I no longer consider it um, among the worst films. Definitely not among the best films or even the good films. But uh, it's actually pretty enjoyable. Uh, it is a direct sequel to The Hills Have Eyes. We have um, the main uh, brother character returning as well as Ruby from the original Hills Have Eyes. I, don't think that, I think the same actor for the brother's back, but I don't know if Ruby is played by the same actress i don't think so um we also have michael berryman returning this time it's a group of uh bike racers like motocross racers who venture out to the very same desert where the first incident happened and the hills have eyes mutant family clan has returned but this time with a new stronger member and it's kind of like a slasher film almost i said that it's like wes craven's friday the 13th ripoff in a way 
Uh, I think that's a pretty good description. I actually ended up really enjoying it this time. The transfer is much better than the Kino version that came out years ago. Um, but it just, it just, uh, it just was, I don't know. It, I just had a lot more fun this time. Uh, then I watched Memories of a Murder, which is the second Bong Joon-ho film that I watched. Uh, this is a very good movie. It's a like thriller mystery police procedural type thing um, based on some actual murders of, uh, I guess it'd be in South Korea uh, during the 90s, I want to say. Uh, interesting, very well shot movie. Very good. We go into full discussion over on 22 Shots to so check that out. Uh, probably the one we like the most. Uh, and then Mother, also from Bong Joon-ho. And this one was uh, very good as well. Um, sort of another almost like mystery uh, that has a really good reveal. Uh, then I finally did get to Amityville, A New Generation. And that one was not as good as the other two, four, part four and five or six or however they split them up. Uh, it's, it's not as good as it's about time and the evil escapes. Um, it, it, it's weird. It almost reminded me of like a Hellraiser film or something in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Just the like aesthetic and the, it's like dealing with this art and stuff like that. It's like the Hellraiser three of the Amityville films. <laughs> yeah. I really um, didn't care for it. I liked it. There's some like decent, you know, effects and stuff in it. Uh, it's it, like, it's not nearly as bad as people probably say, but you know, mm-hmm. nothing super special either. Uh, then I watched a film called We, which is a, I uh, watched the unrated director's cut. Um, it's from the Netherlands. It's an art exploitation films release, which I haven't reviewed one of their films in a long time. Uh, it's described as a uh, film that is reminiscent of films of Harmony Croin, Larry Clark, and Lars von Trier, which is, you know, such a great um, trio of filmmakers. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Larry Clark films. Um, I like uh, the one or two films I've seen from Lars von Schroer, and I also like Harmony Korn. Uh It is a film that follows uh, eight teens um, in the Netherlands uh, who are basically, you know, just living their best life, you know, just having sex and drinking and uh you know committing crimes and things like that they eventually start this sort of like prostitution ring thing uh it's told in flashbacks from a uh narration uh and it's told in chapters too so you have um each i believe four of the characters get their own chapter and you see the film unfold from their point of view and then you see certain things you don't know what happened and then when you follow the next chapter with the uh you know it'll be like chapter two ruth you'll see it from uh, a little bit more of her point of view and you'll get more and stuff revealed like um one of the characters dies and it's you're like one you don't know how they died and then when you get to the third chapter, you see how they died. And it's kind of told in that way. I'm not sure if it 100% works for this film. It's almost like that sort of Tarantino-esque um, out-of-sequence uh, storytelling. Uh, but I will say that the uh, film is... Uh, the unrated version, particularly, there's actual... There's there's real penetration and oral sex uh, in sort of an orgy scene. 
uh, I'm I, I'm pretty sure that some of the actors are definitely um, actually performing it, but they might have had some stunt doubles. I don't know. Uh, there, it's very um, gratuitous. There's tons of nudity. Um, there's liter- they literally play a game where they blindfold a character and then stick things in their vagina, uh, including their own penises, and they have to guess what the item or who the penis belongs to. <laughs> Um, which is, you know, classic game. I mean, everybody's yeah. played that. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, they get into some trouble and, you know, it's, it's a very, you know, uh, Larry, it is, it is kind of a good description. It definitely has the Larry Clark-esque vibe to it. Um, I don't think that it's done in the same way, but just the sleaze factor and, you know, what these characters are doing, I don't think it feels as realistic uh, one of the characters is like very rich. He lives in this like super nice house, and that almost makes it feel like a little unrealistic to me. Um, and yeah, but overall, I, I really enjoyed that film. It, it was quite the experience. Uh, then I ventured back to 1985 with a film called De- Defcon Four, and that film uh, is a post-apocalyptic Canadian film. Uh, that follows a group of astronauts that are in a space station when World War III happens. They spend a couple of months up in space, eventually venture back to Earth, and it's overtaken by, you know, bad people, and they, you know, get mixed up with this this group and stuff. It, honestly, it started off great, um, really creepy and cool. The poster's awesome, uh, but it just, by the th- by the going into the third act i I was kind of done with it and just you know kind of wanted it to wrap up quickly because just wasn't interested in it anymore um kind of pulls the whole like sci-fi action or not even sci-fi more like action um aspect and i was just kind of done um but yeah those were the films uh i watched uh i might throw in if i finish the film before i send this episode to jason i might throw in a little review of another film that i'm in the middle of but had to stop because of recording sake so that might be in here too if not i will get to it next week it is Takashi Miike's first love it's his brand his newest film so uh what i i i know i kind of killed it kind of went balls <laughs> to the wall on this one uh what did you watch all right buddy well thank you for making me feel like trash um no i uh i I watched like a decent amount of stuff i pretty much everything i've been watching lately has been for like podcast sake it seems like um but yeah uh, first up i watched friday the 13th part five you know a new beginning um an 85 move if you will um what did i say that one's a lot of fun that's one that uh i kind of i didn't really grow up watching that one a whole lot it was actually one i kind of forgot about and then i rewatched it later on in life it was like oh this is like actually a good movie and i didn't really rewatch it a ton i i never realized like every single person gets slaughtered in that movie and it's just fun time it's great it's like all the side characters all the people at the you know uh, camp or whatever you call that um just everyone dies in it it's kind of funny but um yeah i think that one's a lot of fun i think it's got uh, some of the funnest characters and it's become one of my favorites um then after that i actually watched fright night another 85 movie pretty much just been re-watching some of the uh top tier 85 movies um 
Fright Night, that's one that's, uh, it's grown on me. I do like it. Um, I think sometimes it's a little bit too quirky, I guess, for my liking. Um, but I enjoy it. It's got its, like, funny moments. And, uh, I wouldn't say it's got really, it doesn't really scare me or anything like that. But, um, it's a fun, fun little, you know, comedy, horror comedy vampire film that has definitely grown on me upon rewatches. Um... Then after that, I rewatched 10 Cloverfield Lane, did that for my little YouTube series I do where I watch my entire collection. Um, I really dig that one. Uh, the, I still have problems with the final act. I just think it's kind of stupid and feels like a separate movie in a way and just gets a little bit, um, you know, over the top. But, you know, John Goodman's great in the film. Uh, the suspense in the movie is fantastic uh even on rewatch it's still really really good and uh there's some shocking moments and just uh great performances all around and just the setting i really dig as well the whole bunker thing so um overall really dig that one um then we travel on back to 85 and um you have demons uh this is one that i watched uh, we actually watched that in a group setting at our friend Matt's house a while back, and I liked it, but watching it in the group setting, it's like I never fully am paying attention to a movie, so I uh, wanted to give that one a rewatch as well, and uh, I dig that one. Uh, it's got some gross-out effects in it, and which obviously that's gross, but I appreciate them. I think they're done really well. It's got some creepy moments, and it's set... In a movie theater, which I'm always a big fan of that setting, so can't go wrong with that. Then after that, I actually checked out The Battery, which I will get into a little bit later. Then after that, um, watched Christine. Actually watched it on VHS, because that's the only format I have it on, or, you know, uh, only way of viewing it that I have. I don't have it on Blu-ray or DVD, and I need to change that, because I actually really enjoy Christine. Uh, it's one of those ones where I rewatch it and realize just how much I really love the movie, even though I don't go back to it a whole lot. But I have it I, on 4K. I did not ask you. It was actually on, they had it on Blu-ray at that cash and culture place for the longest time, and I always thought about picking it up. I should have just grabbed it. I'm so weird about would double dipping. Would you like dipping. my Blu-ray? Yes, I would. Add that to my awesome well, box Well, I would have gave it to you, but instead <laughs> you said you didn't ask me, so I think I will throw it in the trash. You know what? I am about to leave this podcast, and you're going to eat a pork chop tomorrow, not a stack. Dude, you're eating the pork chop. You still... I'm not eating... I'm not eating pork chops. Dude, I'm you... not. Okay, you'll eat a pork steak, then. I don't want that, either, dude. I just want steak. You're Plain not steak. getting a steak. I'm getting a steak. I've been good. You have not been so good. Alright. We'll see. Yeah, that's right. Know your rule. Okay, but, um, yeah, Christine, um, I would like that on Blu-ray if you could ever forgive me, but, uh, yeah, it's a Carpenter film that I feel like, you know, it's one of his better films, and it's one that's, uh, not as wildly talked about as, say, like, Halloween, The Thing, or The Fog, and, uh, it's one of those ones that I really, really dig, so, um, that was a fun little rewatch, great score, great soundtrack as well with you know christine and the music and all that um and then after that i checked out the slayer for the first time um that one was interesting i'm going to be talking about that on a podcast soon so i don't want to get too much into that but um it it was an interesting one i'll I'll give it that um 
Then I checked out MFA from, I believe that came out in 2017 for the first time. Um, that's a pretty solid one as well. It, it was, uh, that's another one I want to get too much into, but it was definitely up my alley. Um, kind of one of those girl power movies, but done the right way. Unlike, you know, Black Christmas or something that's too shoved. It is kind of shoved in your face, but it's not to the point of cringe. So, uh, don't get for that. arguable. There are some moments. There were a few moments. Like I didn't I said, I love wanna... MFA. I, I think it's really? decent, but I did think that it was a little too much. Every man in this movie is awful. Uh, yeah, I get... in a way, yeah. Like I said, I don't want to talk too much about it on here, but there were there was a few moments where I was like, this is a little bit too uh, over the top with just cringe factor. But for the most part, I was okay with it. I I had a good time with it. Um. And then lastly, I just watched this today, earlier today, actually, another 85 movie rewatch that um, I remember I liked but kind of forgot about and wanted to rewatch it, and that is Cat's Eye. Um, that's a good one. Good little anthology movie. Um, I pretty much dig every... There, there's only, like, three stories in it, but um, I think they're all pretty well done for what they are. And they're all pretty, for the most part, kind of basic, but they're just done well and i really like them they're well acted and uh they build suspense in a good way so um yeah that is all i have been watching as of late awesome dude that was that was a lot of stuff it was yeah it felt like more than what i've been watching i'm up to 46 movies for the year so i'm at 50 oh really i thought you were i thought you would be like way ahead of me i was murdering it for a little bit but i took you like, were yeah i took like a couple weeks where i only watched like five yeah um but anyway that is uh all the stuff we watched this week besides two films which we will talk about before we get into our featured review uh but for now uh let's talk about another film that we watched uh but we watched it in a theater and we would like to welcome in our two surprise guest hosts And joining us now is both halves of the famous Woodsboro Bros podcast. Have you ever heard of the Woodsboro Hall? Because it is extensive. World famous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uh, yeah. Andrew and Austin, the Schroyers. What's up, guys? Not much, not much. Uh pretty excited to be on here i think we're your first guest we've ever you've ever had you are you our first guest ever so, yeah i mean <laughs> good choice i must say yes <laughs> which one of you are our first guest and which one of you is our second guest oh i, I was guess here first so. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, good. Um, good to have you guys both on i was hoping that we could get the entire team together and we have so this is exciting the entire southwestern Pennsylvania podcasting crew. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. Actually, no. There is. I do know of another podcast from Southwest PA. Um, that oh, what the heck is their name? It's like eighties horror or something. It's like something something. I forget what it is. But uh, I've never really listened to them. But I always saw their flyers when we go to the Hollywood Theater because they would leave their flyers there. But, oh yeah. 
Anyway, uh, you guys are joining us tonight for our mini review of My Bloody Valentine 1981 because you two also saw it at the same theater that we did at the waterfront. Indeed we did. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, So, Carly, what is My Bloody Valentine about? Let us read the old synopsis. A decades-old folktale surrounding a deranged murderer killing those who celebrate Valentine's Day turns out to be a true to legend... What? Okay, it turns out... Okay, let me just... Okay. Basically, um, something happens, and uh, this Harry Warden dude is, um, you know, mad, and he comes back for revenge, and then years later, you know, this town's not supposed to celebrate Valentine's Day, but then they're gonna have a party... And then um, more killings start to show up years later, so they're like, maybe we shouldn't have this party. Yeah, pretty much. What <laughs> did the IMDb synopsis fail you? It, it like I don't. I think I just turns out to be true to legend when a group defies the killer's order and people start turning up dead. I don't know. The way it was worded didn't seem to make any sense. You so can't yeah, turn it failed up me. Dead. That shit would be redundant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, we all went to the waterfront. They were doing a special screening of My Bloody Valentine uh, for Valentine's Day week, week before Valentine's Day, uh, which is weird. Well, I guess they do. They were they did another Valentine's Day movie this week, which isn't a horror movie. So I guess it, it, horror has to take second fiddle. Yeah, we. It. We always forget that they don't do just horror movies, I feel I like. Because where I was like, this yeah. is so weird. And yeah, it's kind of family-friendly every once in a while, too. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they showed this film. I was like, man, that's that's like a pretty cool movie to show. And then I realized, like, oh, they showed the cut version. Um, mm. And I was like, yeah, I guess it's not as violent as I remembered. But uh, so... You know, let's go into the guests and ask them their thoughts on My Bloody Valentine first. So, um, Andrew Austin. Andrew alphabetically is before Austin. Wow, we're learning our ABCs too on this podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this is the ABCs of In Your Face Horror. Yeah, whatever. Oh, <laughs> Andrew? Yeah, so uh, I think well, actually, yeah, we did review this on our podcast before. We did this last year. Is it in um, the was... Woodsboro Hall? That's the question that everybody's wondering. Don't nope. think so. No, no, it isn't. Not. Just missed. I think um. it just missed by like a half a point or a point. <laughs> yeah. How, how many must be must suck then? How much yeah. is in the Woodsboro Hall these days? Uh, I would have to pull up. I have a letterbox to list of shit in there. I don't think I have, like, everything in there, but it should be pretty up-to-date. Hold on, let me pull it up. There's, there's just one or two. Yeah. <laughs> one or two our first episode. Um, <laughs> two, two, two from our first episode. Uh, as of right now, as my list, 43 movies. Wow. That's quite the haul. It is. <laughs> well, we do tend to review movies that we really like, so that's that's yeah. one thing. Now, tell me how many films actually deserve to be in the Woodsboro Hall. Uh, I just said 43, so... I, I, the only one that we literally have ever said, oh, man, it's, like, really weird that that one made it was VHS 2. Mm-hmm. Oh, that no, was probably our though. only one. I do like VHS 2 a lot, so I'm yeah. going to yeah. hate it. Spider-Man 3 definitely deserves to be in there. 
Joker, so oh, there's no sure. questions about that. Is Phantoms in there? <laughs> well, you should know. <laughs> I mean, it should be, but honorary <laughs> Duffy. Yeah, it's an Andrew's wing. He has his own wing. Yeah. yeah, along with my soul to take, which yeah. got robbed. <laughs> got robbed. In the final, in the final exam. <laughs> take it so serious. Uh, okay, so what what do you think of My Bloody Valentine? So, you know, this is one of those early movies that I did watch. With, like, uh, my... my like journey into horror like I became like a huge horror enthusiast right around like 2013-14 and right around then was when I did watch My Bloody Valentine so it was one of those early ones for me um I've got a lot of fond feelings for it I've never like been this one has always been one where I I watched the remake before I saw the original um which I think as I think you, JP, you pointed out on your other podcast before, it does kind of affect the way that you view both movies. Uh, but uh, I've always really had a, a appreciation for it. But this time watching in the theaters, as I'm sure pretty much we all can agree, it's it definitely enhanced my like viewing pleasure of the movie because, it, like, I don't know, there was just a completely different experience when it first came on the screen and just hearing it in surround sound in the theater and just seeing everything on the screen like the story it just like i don't know it just had this extra magic to it that it didn't have before for me so i my my love for the movie did go up uh quite a bit for it yeah that's um much like me and carly often talk about because we do go see these movies a lot um we did an episode recently where we i think we were in was that our hundredth uh, we... Or was it 99? Yeah, that was our 99th retro yeah. movie we saw in the theater. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and we have talked many times that there could be a movie that, you know, you're, you like a lot or even love, but when you see it in the theater, it truly does add a next level to it, and you are just engulfed in the movie so much more. And so many movies that we've seen... I've came up higher on after seeing them in the theater. It's, it's a bizarre, like even films that I love, like Phantasm. When I saw Phantasm in the theater, it did something magical. I was just so into it. And it just like the, seeing the huge screen and truly being able to take in the whole image of every scene and the, the music and the sound is so much more powerful. It really does. It really can change your perception of a movie. And I think that, it's unfortunately that we don't have an opportunity to see uh, a lot of the stuff that we weren't born for in the theater, but it is nice to get a chance to go back and check out some of these things when they do show them in these retro screenings. And I think that when it comes down to it, if anybody out there has an opportunity to see some classic movies in the theater, definitely do so because it, it is definitely an experience. For sure. That's why I still say to this day that my favorite experience in the theater is The Exorcist, just because it was such a it was my first ever classical movie that I ever saw. And as if you've heard my top whatever we did, top 50 horrors list, it's third. So, uh, yeah, I quite love that movie. And it was great to see it in theater. That's actually one that me and Carly saw two years ago. And it's actually one that I was thinking of when saying 
seeing a movie that you're just kind of cool on or, or like can elevate it that much more because I think me and you both Carly like I've never been the biggest Exorcist fan but yeah. I was so into it during that screening and I just thought it was so much better I've always known it was a great movie but I thought it was so much better and, and personally more enjoyable than I had ever had with it and, and you know had for it before yeah. yeah I definitely agree with that yeah so um, what about you Austin what did, what did you think yeah, I mean, uh, My Blade Valentine, um, I mean, there's a reason that it's, you know, uh, considered to be one of the standouts, you know, standalone 80 slashers, or really 80 slashers in, uh, in general. Um, you know, it's a classic. Um, you know, uh, I've kind of, uh, I, I too, I also watched the remake uh, before I watched the original one back in the day, but uh, for me, that rule really doesn't apply where you know if i watch something first i like that one more um because i definitely enjoy this one more than the remake um i have gone kind of on an interesting journey with this movie because like at one time this was like easily in my top 10 slashers of all time um and seeing the past couple times i've watched it i've kind of gone down a little bit um i still love the movie it's still an awesome slasher movie um, it's just, I just don't consider, um, for me on that, like, really, really top tier for me anymore. But, yeah, going and getting to see it in theaters was, uh, really awesome. Um, like, uh, you guys said, it, you know, it does, uh, enhance the experiment when you go, experience, I say, when you guys, uh, when you, uh, get to see, um, like, retro films and stuff like that, stuff you've already seen before in theaters. Um... But I wouldn't say it really enhanced, like it really upped my score, but um, uh, it definitely, you know, was um, definitely was awesome to see. Like I said, yeah, man, I, I think that you know to touch on the remake thing a little bit. I I've actually seen the remake before the original too, mm-hmm. and I just remember I, I have a very very vivid memory of that era of movies, and especially since. I started watching YouTube around that era and I mention it all the time, but the YouTubers at the time were so hateful and angry. Like they were, everybody was like just miserable and like anything that came out, they automatically hated. And that was one of them that, that came out that they hated because it was a remake. And at that time, remakes were so prevalent and everybody was just, they didn't want them. Uh, but I remember thinking that the, the remake was, um, decent, but over the years, I've actually I think that it's getting more respect now. It's a fun, it's a fun slasher. Uh, but this one, uh, the original, is a film that I keep coming up on. It's just one that I enjoy more and more every time I watch it. I think for me, like the things that work really, really work. Uh, the town and the setting is a highlight for me. Valentine's the- Bluff. Uh, it's it's a highlight for me because uh the the mining camaraderie of these people who work together uh how they're all getting off work and they're going in the showers and they're like joking with each other and being goofballs and stuff if you've ever worked with a group of people that you like that's how it is you know you you're just like uh, uh you're just like enjoying each other's company and 
you know, enjoying getting off work and just having, having fun with each other. And it feels like that small town aspect, but in a different way, because normally when you have the small town, it's usually like teenagers you're dealing with, but these are all like grown adults in the, in their twenties or whatever. And they're all like, you know, working together and they party together and you can just tell that they all know each other for, have known each other for a long time. And they have this like, uh, good camaraderie between all of them. And I really think that that works for me a lot. Even like the side characters who don't get much screen time, like the, the bigger dude with the funny mustache, like he's mm-hmm. very likable. Uh, the dude with the, mm-hmm. the, the, the goofball who's like snorting stuff through his nose and just making wise ass remarks all the time. Like he's really Howard. Fun. How see, I, I will never know anybody's name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even like, one thing that I pointed out when I reviewed this way back on 22 shots is even the relationship between Axel and the other guy, you could tell there's a history there with them. Like they were boys at one time, like they were good friends. Like, and they like, they don't even seem to hate each other. They're just like, okay, I guess we got to compete for this girl now. And it's like, almost like this level of like, sort of respect. That's still kind of there, but like, still want, not wanting to back down for, you know, their, you know, personal reasons because they both like this girl or whatever. And I think that that's really neat, that whole relationship aspect. And I think that it's funny because I've seen this film a couple times, but every once in a while, like while watching it, I'll, I'll forget. I'll be like, wait a minute. I'll forget like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that's right. That one's the killer. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, even though I know, I'm just like, I second guess it for a second because I'm just like, wait, was that? And I think it helps because, like, the remake's done a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you're for a split second, you're like, wait, which one was the one where the... Okay, yeah. Uh, and, and that's fun. And I think that the mine setting is actually, like, super cool and creepy. And even, like, the little party room that they have and, and all the... And it, it totally, definitely screams, like canuck too it's just super canadian uh which is which is fun um but i you know you guys probably are maybe not as familiar but you're from this area too the coal mining towns are very very uh similar you know in terms of just like the type of uh um i guess camaraderie and stuff like that and like everybody knows each other and stuff but and like where i like a lot of the different little towns in in my specific town um they're called like patches but there's i remember like okay going over this one and like everybody knows each other there because they were once old coal mining towns and Mm -hmm. uh that's kind of cool so there and there's just like a little bit of familiarity with like the the whole coal mining thing because that was really big here in southwest pa and uh, I think that the, the one of the strongest aspects besides the, the mine itself is just the end. I think the end is, like, super creepy and cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I said when we reviewed it, it's definitely one of the best four endings ever. I mean, just uh, very quotable. And, of course, the song that plays afterwards. Yeah. You know, yeah. Amazing. But, yeah, it's awesome. Now, the, the final thing I'll say before I pass it on to Carly here is... Uh, if you've actually never watched the uncut version, uh, please do yourself a favor and check it out. Scream Factory just put a new Blu-ray out of it. The old Paramount Blu-ray that I have is out of was out of print and really hard to get. 
but it is a much stronger version because this movie feels very neutered without the uncut footage because there's really no kills on screen uh in in this version but i do remember i can't rem I, I don't remember exactly the details but in my head i remember the other version being like more graphic so i could oh, be it definitely is, okay yeah. good i was about to say i was uh, but yeah, I know Carly hasn't seen that version, but Carly, I guarantee you like the movie even more if you see that version. Yeah. So what, what do you think, Carly? Yeah. Um, my buddy Valentine, you know, I remember when I was a kid or whenever, what, when did the remake come out? Like 2009? Oh, nine, like I think. Yeah. I remember there being trailers for that and my mom being like, oh, that movie, like, the original of that movie is really gross and blah, blah, blah. So I was curious, and I wanted to see it. And um, so we watched the original. I got a two-pack with that in April Fool's Day, and we ended up watching those two movies. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was okay. I thought it was kind of just silly, and I didn't really care for it too much. And then um, a lot of years passed, and it was probably just a few years ago I rewatched the movie again, and um liked it a little bit better, but I still just, I don't know, something about it I thought was just a little bit too goofy, maybe, with the characters, and um, it just wasn't really sitting right for me, but, um, and I forget, I watched the remake as well, more, in more recent time, a few years ago, but I honestly don't remember it much at all, besides the fact that I liked it, but I, that's all I remember, really, I don't remember as far as the plot and everything that goes on in it. Um, so there's not really much comparison there. But um, yeah, watching it in the theater this time, I actually really, really dug it uh, the most. And um, it's become probably one of my favorite now standalone slashers because I, I just thought it was really good. I don't know why I didn't care for it much before. I think the look of, uh, you know, the killer is actually pretty creepy. Um, I like the whole sort of legends and stuff and you know the whole small town like legend where it's like bad to have the party on valentine's day or also come back and kill everybody I, I i dig that and just the look of the small town um i always like the small town kind of deserted setting and um i think they do really well with that um like jp said there's a lot of good camaraderie and everyone just seems like they're good friends and to me a good slasher is when everyone seems like they're such good friends and uh you know they're all partying together and it's so well done that you actually want to be in with that crew like you're kind of jealous and you want to go hang out with them like the part where they're having the big party and they're all drinking and just having fun in that small room it just seems like a, a great time and i want to be a part of that party so um and yeah I, this is one of those movies where i couldn't really remember who you know the killer ends up being at the end if it's like actually Harry Warden, or if it's, like, one of them, or what, so, um, you know, I had fun with that, and, yeah, I actually really, really dug this movie this time around, and I'm glad that we did get to see it in theaters, because, you know, you pay more attention to a movie usually when you're watching it on the big screen, and, uh, it just, uh, shows you more than what you would have got out it, out of it just watching it on TV, so, uh, overall, I'm a fan now. Awesome, yeah, uh, Man, I'll tell you what, that move, that, the one thing that always grossed me out is the heart in the hot dog water. First of all, hot, yeah. a giant tub of hot dogs grosses me out to begin with, but like, throw a heart in there that's all like boiled and it's like really uh -huh. nasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I think that we all really enjoy, um, the 
awesomeness of my bloody valentine uh it's unfortunate that there was never a sequel or maybe it's fortunate depending on who you are uh but originally there was supposed to be a sequel because it kind of does set up for the end and i honestly i think you could still do it i think you could still do a sequel to this film and have it you know follow right after the the original i think that would be really cool probably unlikely but it would be mm-hmm. neat if it actually happened uh so yeah uh let's get into ratings uh i will go first um my bloody valentine is a film that i consistently like more and more i think it's one of the best slashers uh out there um even when you factor in like franchises it's probably you know somewhere in my top 20 favorite slashers and i love slashers maybe top 25 i'd like a lot of franchise slashers but uh you know i I love slashers and you could look at the film and be like oh well it's ridiculous the town's called valentine's bluff go figure oh the valentine's day dance happened here and there was a brutal murder oh this town hasn't celebrated valentine's day in this long and it just so happens that there's murders that happen the first time they sell it you know it's it's ridiculous but I'm a sucker for that stuff, man. When it comes to slashers, I might not want to see that in a serious movie about an exorcism or something like that. But, you know, a film of a slasher film, the cliches and the, you know, gimmicks work for me. They always have. And slasher foods are the comfort food of horror. This is one of the best. Uh, I give it an 8.5 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I can go next. Um, yeah, like I said, I really liked this movie. And I think kind of what you just said, I think that's kind of why I never liked it before. Because I thought Valentine's Day isn't even a holiday that people really go all out for to begin with. So I always thought the concept was kind of over the top and ridiculous. It, but, it's uh, even more ridiculous when they're like, if you ever have a, a Valentine's Day dance again. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Like, all it's right. Like, that's what set him off is the Valentine's Day dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah, now I really like it. I like how the whole town's all decorated and hearts and just all done up and everyone's really excited for it. So um, no problems there. Um, I-, I think this is a fun movie. It's one that I will probably continue to, you know, rewatch around Valentine's Day every year. And I give it an eight out of ten. Andrew. Okay. Okay, so Austin, are we going to go with our, our quarters on this one? Yes, of okay. course. Okay, well, uh, I pretty much Wait, echo... excuse me. Did you just say, can we go... Are we going to go with quarters? Did you just ask Austin if you could go with quarters? <laughs> she did, yes. <laughs> because, on our show? Yeah, I'm pretty sure we make the rules here. Well, on our show... Okay, well, I'll give uh, your show ratings, and then I'll give uh, on our show ratings <laughs> okay. then. Um. So I pretty much echo do everything what JP says. It, it really did take me till the last watch, you know, watching it, you know, in the theaters and just kind of thinking like, okay, this is like the whole Valentine's Bluff thing. And uh, it just it comes across as like a, a local urban legend type story. Mm-hmm. And I really love those. I love urban legends. And so, I mean, this this just naturally came across as something that would just I have an affinity towards things like this. And um, just dropping my pretenses of just, yeah, you know, it's I mean, comparing it to a lot of other, you know, awesome movies, 
you know, it doesn't stand up as much. You know, the acting wouldn't hold up or anything. But to be honest, it's, it's just such an enjoyable movie that, you know, putting all that stuff aside, I think uh, the good vastly outweighs the bad in this one. It's, for you guys' rating, it's like an 8.5. Uh, for, for our show, I'd go about an 8.75. <laughs> all right. Yeah, uh, so my only real problems I have with this movie are, uh, I think, like, it drags a bit towards the end when they're in the mines, uh, and they're just kind of running around and stuff like that for a while. I think it, uh, I think it just, that part portion just drags a little bit, and, um, although I, I do think some of the side characters are, you know, funny, I think they, I think, you know, as a whole, they're kind of weak. Uh, compared to side characters from like other movies like Friday Thirteen Part Two or Three or something like that, where they're really memorable and stuff like that, it's just not really that memorable in this movie. Uh, but that's pretty much it. I mean, this has great kills. One of my favorite kills ever is the um, the uh, pickaxe through the eye um, in this movie um, with the the old crazy dude um, Ralph. Well, pretty much. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, like I said, I love this movie. Not as much as I used to, but I still love it. Uh, not quite as good as Madman, uh, but I, too, will give it an 8.75 out of 10. Awesome. So, uh, the last thing I'll say is there's a scene where the Henry Warden, Harry or Henry? Henry Warden. Uh, Harry. Character, is it Harry Warden? Yes. Yep. Jesus. Hey, good up and call him that the whole show. I'm uh, <laughs> I might be a fake fan. <laughs> you are. Uh, when Harry Warden is walking down at the mine in the end and he's uh, bashing the lights with the pickaxe, dude, that's like actually scary. I was yes. just going to, I was thinking yeah. that in my head just now. Like, yeah. I wanted to bring He's that like, up. it's so aggressive. And you're just like, mm-hmm. damn, this guy's mm-hmm. pissed. And they're like, what's that sound? And you just, yeah. I, I like it how you see him and it's just creepy that he's actually in there with him and you're like, I wonder how close he is. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's scary. Yeah, I like it. But, uh, so yeah. Um, thank you two for coming on and giving a quick review of My Bloody Valentine 1981 with us. Uh, maybe next year we could convince them to show the remake in 3D because I didn't get a chance Please. to see it cool. in 3D. And one of my f- favorite experiences that we did there was me and Carly saw um, House of Wax in 3D, the 50s version, and it was awesome. Uh, so yeah. that would be really, really cool. And I do, I might, I'm not gonna brag, but I do have a little oh, bit of pool. Fucking read you like a book, Jesus Christ. Hey, we don't swear on the show unless JP drops one f bomb. Yeah. Oh, I. Just, I just did. So. Uh, <laughs> uh, so really quickly before you guys get out of here, go ahead and plug anything that you guys got coming up, your podcast, uh, maybe a future episode, uh, uh, Hidden Gems Volume 2 with yep. us maybe. Mm-hmm. So uh, go ahead and uh, have the airways for a moment. Awesome. Uh, our next episode. Yes. Uh, next episode we have is going to be our top 15 movies of the 2010s. Um, don't know when the hell we're supposed to record that, but it'll be coming up soon, probably. Soon. Yes. Did, and did either of you put Bedeviled on your list? No. Uh. <laughs> no. Considering I'll probably never watch that in the next ten years now. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, that'll be a very interesting episode. Really hard list to make since this decade was, this past decade was really awesome. Um, like, um, JP said, we have a show planning, uh, the plan to have, uh, these two on our show once again. Um, I already have and, my pick. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much so have do I. Too. <laughs> I don't. Is it Phantoms 2? Yeah. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully they come out with a remake soon. Oh, yes. Uh, the only people the only people clamoring for a fucking Phantoms remake is you and Jay and Silent Bob. That's about it. That's I would right. actually be okay with that movie being remade just to try to maybe make it good. Yeah. True. So, I mean, would you true. want to go to a step down just to be good then? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right, no more. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, also check out me and Carly's podcast, the MVM Horror Podcast. Um, next up, uh, we are doing the TCM original versus remake. Ooh, so, um, that will be interesting. I love both of those films. I know that you don't like the original that much, but the original is my favorite horror might, film of all time. Might want to listen to the next episode. And honestly, dude, I, I might say yet. that two two thousand three might be my favorite remake of all time. It's up Even there. more than Carrie. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do love Angela Bettis, but... I do love that. I do really like that one. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's pretty cool. So, movie versus movie, you got the Chainsaw 03 versus Chainsaw 74. I dig. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't forget, I got my 30 Days of Comic Book podcast coming out. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> he's only, like, three years late on his last episode. Uh, yeah, it lasted two episodes. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, anything else? No, that'll do it. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. We look forward yeah. to coming back on your show. Check out Woodsboro Bros and Movie vs. Movie. And uh, we might have you back on again sometime. Thanks for coming on, and peace out, guys. Okay. Peace. Bye. All right, so we will now get into our feature presentation of the films of Jeremy Gardner. Uh, We kind of did this, like, unintentionally, didn't really plan, kind of just threw it out there type thing, but didn't really specifically set out to do this. Uh, You ended up watching his first feature, I ended up watching his second feature, and we both ended up watching his third feature. Uh, But Jeremy Gardner is also an actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff, uh, including all three of these films that he directed, as well as Joe Bigos' Bliss that came out earlier this, uh, earlier, or later last year, and he was in The Mind's Eye, and a bunch of stuff. Uh, He's a very good actor, very talented filmmaker. Um, and the very first film I ever saw with him was a favorite of mine of the year that it was released, as well as a member of the more important hall, the 22 Shots Hall. Uh, it is, I believe, the first induction or the second induction. It's it's like top num- one, two, or three, I think. Uh, and that film is 2012. I believe yes. the battery, which I haven't seen in a little while, but I know you watched for the very first time. 
I did, yes. And uh, you among, uh, I, I want to say Austin actually wanted me to check this out. We were going to do it on actually movie versus movie, and then we ended up changing up our idea. But um, yeah, so the battery finally checked it out. And the plot with this one is you have these two characters. Uh, they're former, former baseball players, and um, they kind of have like clashing personalities. Um, they weren't necessarily like best friends or anything like that. They literally just played baseball together. And uh, this sort of plague of sorts breaks out in their area and they are pretty much left on their own and they're kind of drifting through town to town uh, with no really purpose or direction other than to stay away from these undead people that keep coming back and um, the one dude's like all about sort of you know killing off these uh, zombie type people uh, whenever they come around and the other guy just isn't for it uh he kind of just wants to avoid them and keep to himself and uh whole movie he's kind of listening to these a cd player and he has his headphone big uh headphones on throughout the majority of it listening to music which you do get to hear the music that's playing and uh that's kind of like his escape from the world so um the two of them kind of clash because one's really uh just wants to get in there and kick some butts and uh more of a fighter type of guy and the other one just wants to run away from the situation so um yeah that's kind of a story there a pretty basic story really uh zombie film if you will um uh you know like jp said it's directed by jeremy gardner written by jeremy gardner and starring jeremy gardner which is pretty impressive i can't even imagine doing all of that it just seems like it would be quite difficult um this movie, uh, there's not a whole lot to it. It's mainly uh, just following these two characters and getting to know them, um, which I think they do really well. They do the clashing personalities pretty well. Um, just it, it seems like it would get super annoying and hectic being around somebody that you weren't necessarily best friends with to begin with. And then to top it off, you guys just have certain wavelengths and you don't really agree on certain things and there's a lot of moments in the movie where they're kind of just arguing and getting on each other's nerves and uh to me that's just you know anxiety inducing to add to the already big issue that you have where the world is pretty much falling apart so um i like that aspect um the settings are really uh nice to look at it's obvious that they're you know you didn't really need a ton of money to make this movie because it's like two guys traveling the whole film by car and then of course they happen upon you know some shelter and um which is uh, the one character's ex-girlfriend's house they go to her house and she's nowhere to be found then they end up taking all her stuff uh her you know um like pillows and whatnot and putting them in the back of their car to sleep in and then uh the ending the final i guess act you can say of the film is uh pretty well done as well in my opinion it's uh very anxiety inducing as i said uh where they're kind of stuck in this car and uh it seems like days are going by and yeah um the ending is actually pretty depressing as well um there i don't have a ton to say about this movie because it is a pretty uh basic plot line um I do think it's a good movie. I think the acting is really well done, and I think they did a good job with what they had. Would I ever want to really watch this movie again? Honestly, probably not. Um, it just didn't do a ton for me. I'm not super into the 
zombie aspect of movies, but I will say this one's more of, in a way, a character study of these two, and you get to know their personalities really well. Uh, it's well written for that dynamic, and uh, I like the music as well. It's all kind of just this uh, music you never heard of, like indie type of music that he's kind of listening to the entire film. So um, I enjoy that about it as well. So overall, um, I did like it. Uh, I don't it's not something I would really run back to but I think it's very solid for what it is and I did actually give it a 9 out of 10 yeah uh, there was just so much things that I liked about that movie Um, I'm a sucker for zombie films that actually develop and create a movie about the characters and not necessarily about the zombie apocalypse Mm -hmm. um it's just it's just one that really sticks out to me is is one of the best zombie films I've ever seen. So uh, I understand the acting is a little bit shaky, not from Gardner. He's fantastic, but the other yeah. actor and you could tell too because he'd only done like three films total, and one of them is that's like definitely the most acting he's done was in the Battery. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so uh, a couple of years later, um, we have a film that I watched, uh, which I actually hadn't seen before, but I was familiar with it. We kind of covered um, the story of it on um, 22 Shots uh, back in 2015. It was a film Gardner made, and it's called Tex Montana Will Survive. The reason this film is like kind of of note is that it was produced uh, and finished through Kickstarter and it was released completely free. Uh, so it ba- you basically, I'm pretty sure it's public domain. So uh, you, anybody can download it, rip it, burn their copies, sell their copies. I think that, I think that, I mean, I, nobody's gonna really buy copies of this, but because um, it's free. But you know what I mean. I think that I think that anybody can do uh, can watch it. Like it's on YouTube. Um, it literally says in the description, you know. Uh, fair use, copy, burn, distribute. Um, so that's pretty cool. And it's a film that follows uh, Jeremy Gardner's character, Tex Montana. And he is a sort of Survivor Man, Bear Grylls type of character uh, from Man vs. Wild, of course. Uh, Survivor Man is Les Stroud, the much better survivalist. Uh, and it's very similar to that. He's somebody who, honestly, it's funny because he's almost like very Bear Grylls like, but with this like uh, accent. And but he's doing like ridiculous things that you wouldn't need to do in survival situations. Uh, and he has his own TV show called Tex Montana Will Survive, and uh, basically the show gets canceled because uh, a lot of people think that it's fake. So in order to prove himself real, he decides that he's going to go out to the wilderness and survive for 30 days with no camera crew uh, and just a lone knife and GPS uh, and a, a backpack full of camera gear. And he actually smashes, smashes his GPS on camera to prove a point. Uh, and he, you know, uh, is a goof. He's a complete buffoon. Uh, he's horrible at surviving. He has like no survival skills at all. Uh, he's a fake. And throughout the, the film, you were seeing all this footage of him, like filming himself. Like he walks, like he's walking up a mountain 
and he like turns around he's walking down or he's like walking up turns around walks down and then starts walking back up and he's like he's like that's the last damn establishing shot I ever do that better be good enough walking up a damn mountain twice <laughs> what kind of stuff is this it's really funny because like you I always thought that was survivor man like because he has to leave the camera there walk away then he has to walk back and get the camera because he's shooting all his own stuff um and he makes a funny thing out of that and then uh he talks to this girl like he talks to the camera a lot but he's talking to this girl named Amanda who apparently is his editor and when he does something stupid on camera, he's like, Amanda, you better not show that. I'm telling you, I will fire you. <laughs> and, and like, he'll fall and he'll be like, or like, he'll mess up his shelter. And he's like, I swear to God, Amanda, you not put this in the film. <laughs> it's like, it, it's super funny because he brings it up like so many times. He's like, he's like, I'm telling you now, Amanda, this better not end up in the footage. <laughs> He's like, I will fire you. You won't have a job. He's like, I will kill you. <laughs> it's it, and he like freaks out and it gets real funny, and he just keeps getting more and more over his head. Like he passes, he actually passes the thirty days, but he's lost. So he's like, like thirty two days, thirty five days, thirty seven days, forty days, forty five days, fifty days. Like and he keeps going, and it's 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 really really funny it's a one-man show jeremy gardner and static camera shots of him being a character just saying funny stuff doing funny things uh i laughed out loud many many times watching this film like true true laughs you know true legitimate laughs and i just thought that it was such a fun experience more people need to see this. It only has like 40,000 or 400,000 views on YouTube, which I think is like very low for a free film that's actually good. Um, so everybody should check it out. It's not a horror film, but it is a very good comedy. Uh, so that is Tex Montana Will Survive, and the ending is amazing. I'll just put it at that. So that is Tex Montana Will Survive from 2015. Uh, I give it a solid... 8 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually kind of want to watch it. I wanted to watch it. You kind of told me about it beforehand, and it made me really want to check it out, because I like to laugh. Yeah. You and I kind of have different humor sometimes, though, so I don't know if it would... I yeah, but hope I would this, find it this one kind of, like... Um, it's for all people? Yeah, because it's, it's, like, very... It's like that very funny humor where it's like just a character being ridiculous. Yeah. Like he's just funny. Like yeah. he's funny. Like his actions are funny. His like voice is funny. His uh, the stuff he the like scenarios and stuff that he says is funny. But yeah. So uh, moving along here, we have Jeremy Gardner's third feature film, and this one is one that I was very excited for. It's actually a film that was in my top five most anticipated films of 2020 when we recorded 22 shots and we did a preview of 2020. This was in my top five most anticipated. Uh, and that is After Midnight from the year 2020 or 2019, depending on uh, if you saw it at the festival circuit or not. Carly, what is After Midnight about? All right. Um, so I'll just read 
the good old description here. When his long-suffering girlfriend disappears suddenly, leaving a cryptic note as her only explanation, Hank's comfortable life and insanity begin to crack. Then, from the woods surrounding his house, something terrible starts trying to break in. It's a pretty decent description, I would say. Seems about right. Yeah. Alright, so... What did you think of After Midnight? Uh, yeah, um, this one I thought was weird. That's the best way to describe it. Um, to me, it it, it it is a you know horror drama. Um, it feels like it's he was for sure trying to lean more on the drama side. Like maybe he just really wanted to make a drama film and um some of the stuff in it feels like it should be metaphorical but at the same time it's like kind of real so um yeah i don't know it it i don't even know what to say about it really it was it was an okay movie it was just weirdly designed like i'm watching it and i'm kind of thinking like okay what's going on here what's going to happen and just some of the ways that uh things play out are oddly done in my opinion um just uh with the characters and uh what they do um you know i was watching it i was kind of tired and um i was actually falling asleep watching it and then you had actually called me that night and it woke me up again and i was able to uh get back into it a little bit and but honestly i was I would like to say I was just tired that night, which I was, but I feel like I was kind of falling asleep to the movie because I just wasn't super interested in it uh, based on the first half. Um, yeah, I don't know, just the acting in it. I, I think, you know, Jeremy Gardner, he does a really good job. Um, the girlfriend character, I, I don't know, just some of the dialogue and stuff like that is a little bit odd in the movie and just what's going on. I'm not quite sure if I get everything that he was trying to put out and um yeah it's kind of a weird one what what did you think of it i absolutely loved it oh yeah uh i think that the relationship is amazing you have this couple who what what you sound confused yeah i think you're being (laughs) i think i got set up set up yes no okay let let me reel it back i didn't love it (laughs) um i was actually a little disappointed in it i do think i liked it more than you yeah i would say you probably did but i think that i think that the problem that i have with it mostly is it just feels like not enough Mm -hmm. um I think that the film is beautifully shot. There are some great one takes in this film, um, specifically the scene uh, that is a very long dialogue scene of the Jeremy Gardner character and his uh, girlfriend. And it starts out really far and it slowly zooms in as the the conversation goes on. Uh, There's a great shot of him driving his truck where it just it feels very personal, um, which I do like. Uh, and I think that, you know, I, I think that where the film misses me a little bit as I, I just don't think that the relationship is conveyed on screen in a way that makes me interested. 
Yeah, I would agree. Um, kind of like I said, I felt like his main intention with this movie was he wanted to try out a drama, and like horror was almost secondary in the film. Um, you do get horror throughout it, kind of with, uh, like I said, the plot is kind of there's he thinks there's something in his woods that's coming to attack his house every night, so you do get that uh, aspect to it. But it's mainly supposed to be about uh, this uh, suffering relationship that he's in, and um, it just doesn't really go anywhere. It's like a small town setting. You have a few other characters, and it's like they're friends from the town. And uh, yeah, her brother. And I'm just not overly interested in them either. And then I kind of told you, like, the final, there's like this final scene that's kind of supposed to be touching, I guess, in a way, but I actually thought it went on for a little bit too long, and it was almost getting awkward to watch, and to me, it just feels like something you would see. I've seen this type of stuff play out in other drama films, and it wasn't overly original, and um, I just... There wasn't enough there, really. It's really just centered around this house, and uh, supposed to be about him kind of being depressed that his woman has gone missing, or you know, didn't go missing really, but kind of ran off, and he doesn't know where she is, and she's not talking to him, and then, you know, later on, different stuff happens, and that's kind of it. It's kind of how the battery is, where there's not much to it, but I feel like the battery, obviously, was, uh, the characters were just more interesting in that movie, to where you could make it a solid film, and it was more horror, so I enjoyed it a little bit better, so... Yeah, that's kind of, I don't know, that's kind of just how I feel about this movie. It's I'm very lukewarm on it. I didn't think it was anything special. I think that um, the extent of most of the film is, like, like I, I don't even know if this is true, but in my head, it feels like there's a lot of scenes of them, like, without dialogue, like, smiling and looking at each mm -hmm. other and, like, laughing and, like, like you know, that type of thing. It almost feels like a commercial or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it's just that I don't think that like, I'm okay with the core concept of the film. I'm okay with the love aspect of the film. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want a drama or a romance, uh, with mm -hmm. a little bit of horror mixed in. That's okay. I like, I like films that don't have a ton of horror and, you know, maybe it just has horror at the end or something, but I just feel like that the, dialogue and the actual relationship aspect which is such a huge part of the film didn't really connect with me i did i think that gardner's much better uh at writing i i know he is uh i mm -hmm. see his his dialogue in tex montana and the battery is both a lot better than this film i think that he there just wasn't like the conversations that they do have i just don't think were interesting enough uh there's not enough of them uh it's just the the honestly to me the most entertaining part of the film was the conversation at the bar regarding the mm -hmm. gross um drink out of the bar mat uh, yeah. i thought that was like the most interesting like funny little dialogue thing that was in the film but Overall, I just – I didn't connect with the storytelling in this one. Um, I did really like the setting. Uh, I really liked the concept of the movie in terms of like this this love story of heartbreak uh, mixed in with a monster. I also feel like the monster thing wasn't handled that well where it was almost like the characters uh, – it should have been a bigger deal. Like it, it, you, like – 
there's supposed to be this almost like well is there a monster isn't there a monster is this all in his head like his friends are judging him i feel like that was very set that even that like the monster was secondary but that paranoia of the monster and the uh judgment of the friends was even also secondary so i just felt like this film missed for me i don't necessarily think it's a bad film at all uh i think it's a cool indie movie and honestly like it's better than a lot of people can do on i guarantee what was a super small budget uh there is a creative thing here but what this feels like is a like a wildly successful call it uh you know final um film school film like mm-hmm. i could see this being like a runaway success if somebody fresh out of film school made this movie and you know i, I like i can see that the quality being around that era for somebody who's really talented you know what i mean like a very talented filmmaker out of film school this is kind of what that film feels like to me uh if that makes sense yeah um, but overall, I, I mean, I think that it just missed the mark for me, uh, not by a ton. It did just a little bit. And I really like Jeremy Gardner. I still think that even watching this film, like this guy definitely has talent. I just think that the talent wasn't directed in the way that I was hoping for or the way that connected with me. Yeah, I pretty much agree. And, you know, I don't think the writing's necessarily bad or anything. It's just kind of cookie cutter in a way. Um, I think it's more so just the way the scenes play out and are pasted together that doesn't, it's just not overly interesting enough for yeah, like, my liking. One of the things I did like was where he was, they found the mixtape that he made for another girl in the tape mm-hmm. and he was talking about, no, it's the same song on the whole tape, like, so you don't have to rewind and stuff. I thought that that was charming and nice and cute and like a nice little conversation i would have loved to see more stuff like that didn't get a whole lot of that yep yeah uh yeah not a bad movie um it it at least kind of kept my interest to where i'm like what's even what's going on in this movie it's one of those just has a weird vibe to it so i do give it that but uh not really what i was expecting or wanting so that's pretty much all I really have to say on it. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's get into ratings here. Uh, I will go first. And I, um, you might be surprised, but I'm coming in a little low on this one. Uh, again, I'm, I would consider this another miss for me for the year. Like when I say miss, I'm talking about films with list potential. Uh, so now 0 for 5 for the year but as they do say it is dump month (laughs) Uh, yeah so uh, I'm coming in at uh, I'm I'm a little higher than a couple of the films that we watched but I'm lower than the best one that we watched and that is at a 6.5 out of 10 alright yeah I think that's a pretty fair rating Um, I actually did rated half a point higher i gave it a seven out of ten and that's mainly based on i don't think it's horribly shot i think the writing's okay and um the acting was good i mean i jeremy gardner's good and i do think i think the girl's good too i just think some of the dialogue's a little bit weird but um so yeah seven out of ten uh like you said not list worthy i just looking at my list uh so far of the few movies we've seen for 2020 i wouldn't even 
if I was asked to do a top 10 show right now and that's like all the movies I was handed, I wouldn't even participate because it would just feel fake because none of them seem worthy of being on a list. But um, so pretty rough start to the year, but this movie wasn't horrible. Just nothing spectacular has come out yet. <laughs> all right. So uh, that wraps up this episode of His and Hers Movie Podcast. Next week, we will be recapping our Valentine's Day movie watch double feature with plenty of stack and other food. And we will also be covering the newly released at the time Fantasy Island, I believe. Um, Or is it The Lodge? No, The Lodge is the week after, I believe. So uh, we do have tickets to see The Lodge too, so that might be an episode. But then we also have The Boy 2 coming out, Invisible Man coming out. There's tons of stuff coming out. We wanted to get to Joe Bigos' new film, uh, VFW, but I don't think we're going to because of just the theatrical, because that comes priority uh, releases. Mm -hmm. Um, We have four uh, theatrical releases before the wrap-up of this month, and we're already halfway through the month, I believe. So uh, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, so that is the episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. We love your feedback and comments. So please, please, please keep, um, doing that for us. And with that said, I am JP and I'm Carly and we will see you next time. Peace out. Peace.